Good evening. This is Three Valleys Radio, and you're tuned in to The Racing Show. We've got all our usual guests. Colin Brown will be here with some more of his racing tips. As will Dave Wilson. And we'll have a ring round all of our usual trainers and jockeys. Welcome to this week's racing show. My name's Eddie Hopper, and after the thrills of Goodwood last week, it's a slightly quieter week this week. But in terms of the racing show, we've got all the usual features and all our usual guests on the show this week to see if we can come up with some winners for you for the weekend. So, as we always do, let's get started with Mike Patton and all the racing news from the racing media. Hello and a very warm welcome along to this week's edition of the Racing News. With all the news that is the news and the racing media, which includes Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. And with the headline, Hanlon Eyes Cheltenham Bid with Hewick, here's our first story. Sean Hanlon believes Hewick could develop into a Cheltenham Gold Cup contender after winning Wednesday's Galway Plate. Hanlon hailed the seven-year-old success in Galway's feature chase as, quote, my father best winner of his career and is potentially eyeing a tilt at one of jump racing's biggest prizes this season. Hewick, who won the plate off a mark of 155 and bagged the Bet365 Gold Cup at Sandown in April, will likely head to the Kerry National next before Hanlon looks towards a possible trip to Cheltenham in March. Hanlon said... He could be a Gold Cup horse, it might just suit him. When you have a good horse, you need to try and mine them. He's not overly big, so the national fences might not suit him just yet, but he's only seven, so he could still go for a national in time, perhaps. We got Wednesday out of the way, and we'll take anything that goes after that. Hanlon has a Grade 1 win, a Bet365 Gold Cup, and a Kerry National on his CV but says Hewick's plate triumph was special and by far the best winner of his career. He said, It was a special day, and I don't think I'll ever have a better one. It was just a dream come true. It's by far the best winner I've had. I've been going to Galway since I was 14, and it's the race of the week. It's now one of the biggest races of the year in Ireland, and there are not too many of these special races around. For everyone, the yard to have my mother and father there, the owner who's been very good to me since I started. Everything just came together. Galway was not the end of Hamlin's duties for the week. After a night of celebration on Wednesday, the trainer embarked on a trip with his son Paddy to Scotland for the pony racing fixture in Langholm. He rode two winners and a second before the pair came home at 6am on Saturday morning to head back up the M6 to Galway. 
On the week at Galway, topped by hallowed Stars' win in the €110,000 Boyle Sports Handicap Hurdle on Saturday, Hanlon added, It's been a great week for small trainers, and it's what racing is all about. It's a special festival. I don't usually get emotional, but I got fairly emotional on Wednesday. That's what Galway does to you, I suppose. Picked up for just €850, Hewick is destined for Listowel next on his amazing journey, and it's not just Hanlon who is getting excited. He added, My father is 86, my mother is 80, and he turned to her in Galway on Wednesday night and said, You may get booking Listowel. We're going for the Kerry National. It's great that they're getting such a kick out of it too. And next, here on the Racing News. It is well known that trainers tend to be creatures of habit. So having been more than 200 miles away from Goodwood last year when Comanche Falls landed the £250,000 Stewards Cup, Michael Dodds saw no reason to change his plans this time around. There was one minor amendment as he swapped Doncaster for Thirsk as his race course of choice. But the result was the same, as Comanche Falls became the first back-to-back winner of the Coral Stewards Cup this century, and the first horse to complete the double since Skydiver landed the race for a second time 54 years ago. Furthermore, it was only the sixth time in the 182-year history of the Stewards' Cup that a horse had won the race twice, and just the second since the end of World War II. Dodd said, I was at Doncaster on this day last year, and it's a winner wherever you are. I had to come here. It's local, and we had horses to gallop this morning. It's worked out well. Last year, Comanche Falls rolled into Goodwood off the back of victory in the Scottish Stewards' Cup and charged home late to see off Gulliver and Great Ambassador on soft ground. This time, the five-year-old trailed in at Epsom on Derby Day before unseating rider David Probert as the horses left the stalls for the Workingham at Royal Ascot. So something of a less-than-ideal preparation for defending the Stewards' Cup. However... With Connor Beasley back in the saddle, Comanche Falls was back in business, arriving at the front earlier than planned after the race, quote, fell apart, according to his rider, before digging deep in the colours of owners Doug Graham, Ian Davison and Alan Drysdale to deny the late thrust of Tabdeed and Holly Doyle. Beasley said, I was a little behind the bridle, but I needed to keep tabs on the front ones. The race fell apart in front of me, but when I felt Holly coming to me, I felt him go again and really stick his head down. I sat on him on Wednesday and I was very happy with him coming into this. I think he's the sort of horse who just comes to light at this time of year, and it's a great training performance to bring him back to win this again. Beasley's praise for Dodds was matched by the winning trainer's praise for his rider, for whom Comanche Falls was his only mount of the week at Glorious Goodwood. Dodds said, I saw Connor pushing them and coming through, and I thought, he's got a good chance here. It's great for Connor and the owners and the whole team after the disappointment of Ascot. We thought he'd run a big race there, and it all went wrong. To do that two years running is what dreams are made of. I'm delighted for everybody involved, especially for Connor to go down there again for one ride. He's shown how good a jockey he is, yet again.
For the winning owners, Comanche Falls was continuing a golden spell in which Dakota Gold, a half-brother to the Stewards Cup winner, has also played a significant role with no fewer than 14 wins, including the Group 3 Bengoff Stakes at York. Co-owner Alan Drysdale said, It's absolutely unbelievable. Fantastic. You know, since 2017, we've had four horses race for us, and between them they've won 24 races. That's incredible to have been part of. For Tadid, it was another narrow defeat in a big contest, and Doyle was pleased to see the seven-year-old return to form for her trainer, Archie Watson, and owner Lone Star Investments, after a couple of below-par efforts at Ascot. He has run a huge race and he has turned himself inside out compared to his last two runs, she said. It's a horse that does like to pass horses, but being drawn where I was, I did need some luck. He likes being ridden like that. A furlong down, I thought I was definitely going to get there, but the winner is very tough. But it is great to see Tabdeed show some form. And with the headline, Dancing Brave's iconic arc success is voted your greatest ever horse race. This is our final story here on this week's Racing News. The most popular three choices were separated by just 1% of the total vote, but the tightest tussles has ended with Racing Post readers deciding that Dancing Brave's 1986 Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe deserves to be called the greatest ever horse race. In a photo finish outcome to the public poll, the most iconic of all arcs gained 17% of the vote, pushing it just ahead of the 1973 Grand National Duel between Crisp and Red Rum. That ended on 16.1%, with 16% selecting the 1975 King George VI and Queen Elizabeth stakes, in which Grundy and Bostino fought out a famous finish up Ascot's home straight. One of the strongest fields ever to grace a European flat race was pulverised by the Pat Eddery-ridden Dancing Grave, who unleashed an incredible burst of speed that completely overwhelmed fellow turf superstars Bering, Tiptish and Sharastani. It was a performance that resulted in the Guy Harwood-trained Dancing Brave receiving what remains the highest ever official global race horse ranking. It also earned him a special place in the heart of his late owner, Khalid Abdullah, whose colours have subsequently been carried by two other racing legends, that's Frankel and Enable. Speaking on behalf of Abdullah's family, Judmont Chief Executive Douglas Erskine Crum said, With such a stellar line-up, the 1986 Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe was truly a race that brought together one of the best arc fields ever assembled and Dancing Brave swept past them in a -a once-in-a-generation performance. Everyone associated with Judmont, past and present, is delighted the Racing Post's voters have decreed that Dancing Brave's arc was the best ever race. It is always more meaningful when a result like this is won by a public vote, especially some 36 years after the race. On behalf of Judmont, thank you to all those who voted for Dancing Brave. The news was also received with pride and pleasure by French Racing's governing body, France Gallop, whose chief executive, Olivier Deloitte, said... It's a great honour that Racing Post readers, who have such a deep racing culture, have picked the 1986 ARC as the best horse race ever run. 
The Ark has been awarded the world's best racehorse on a number of occasions in recent years, but this price is really special as it shows that the 1986 renewal is in people's hearts forever. As far as I'm concerned, I remember cheering for Bering, who briefly took the lead but couldn't do anything when Dancing Brave quickened and flew to victory. After the drama of Sagace being disqualified in the favour of Rainbow Quest the year before, it was fantastic to see the best horse win without any possible discussion. Broadcaster and journalist Rishi Persad made the case for Dancing Brave's arc in a deeply personal Racing Post article. He said, The idea of Dancing Brave's arc winning the greatest ever race vote satisfies me enormously, because it shows a lot of people share my feeling that what we saw that day was something almost magical, something that transcended the bounds of a normal racing day. I have lived with the memory of that race in my head ever since. Every time we go to the Ark, which for me is one of the world's greatest sporting events, I am always reminded of Dancing Brave's success. What I saw that day was something that cemented my love for the sport. I hope people felt the same way, and I assumed they did, but I never knew for sure. And it's really satisfying to know so many other people who love the sport share my feeling. The races that finished outside the first three, in no particular order, were the Cheltenham Gold Cups of 1964 with Arkle and Millhouse, 1986 with Dawn Run, and 1989 with Desert Orchid. Mandarin's 1962 Grand Steeplechase to Paris, Secretariat's 1973 Belmont Stakes, the 2001 Irish Champion Stakes head-to-head between Fantastic Light and Galileo, and the 2005 Champion Hurdle, which was won by Hardy Eustace. This has been this week's edition of the Racing News, with all the news that is the news from the racing media, which includes Racing TV, the Racing Post, and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden. Join me again next time here on the Racing News. Thanks for listening. Now let's find out where we can go racing this weekend. So we'll start, there are eight races on flat at Ascot, featuring of course the Shergar Cup, and that starts at one o'clock. Seven races on the flat at Newmarket on the July course, one twenty start. Seven races on the flat at Redcar, one forty two start. Seven races on the flat at Haydock, one fifty start. Two races on the flat at the Curra with a two forty start. Seven races on the flat at Lingfield on the all-weather, what a five o'clock start. And finally, seven races on the flat at Air with a 5.45 start. And on Sunday, there are seven races on the flat at Leicester with a 1.50 start. Six races on the flat at Windsor, 2.10 start. Seven races over the jumps at Downpatrick in Ireland, 2.30 start. And seven races on the flat at Haydock with a 3.45 start. A few months ago I had the pleasure of chatting to Fergal O'Brien as to how he actually got involved in racing. Here's what he had to say. A lot of um, sort of aspiring jockeys and trainers seem to have gone a route where they've they've bought a pony and they've joined pony clubs at the sort of, you know, 10, 12, 13 age group, um, done a little bit of pony racing and then obviously the bugs bitten and they've they've carried on from there. Did you follow that sort of route? Not really. We wouldn't have been... It's, it's a lot more horsey around us now where, where, where I come from at home in Ballina and County Tipperary. But growing up, we didn't, you know, my dad was a 
bus driver and my mother's a uh, breakfast cook mm. in our local hotel in the Lakeside Hotel. And so no, we didn't. You know, we didn't. We we, we lived at um, and the, the the end of a, a council rope days uh, in Cullina. And uh, look, fantastic childhood growing up. And I did actually, I think it was for my, uh, I think it was eleventh Christmas present. My my parents got me a pony, which was a. Um, Connemara, which was an unbroken two-year-old at the time, which myself and my dad broke in, but we kept it in the field next door, which was a council-owned field, yeah. and it was, you know, it was it was tied up to the side, and we moved it around every now and again. And that's where I started, really, you know. Mm. Um, and that's that, yeah. So from then on, we were just able to, to, to yeah, I was I was lucky enough to say spend time with my brothers uh, at their wherever they were working, and uh, just got into it from there, really, you know. And and so I mean the bug had obviously bitten, albeit I mean you didn't you didn't sort of follow much of a race a racing sort of jockey type uh, a career at that point then really no no I came to England obviously wanting to be a jockey that's what you want to be when, yeah. when you're a thirteen fourteen year old boy and um, I came to England went to the racing school uh, and ended up with Tim Foster's and uh, I had a great time at the captains I was very, I was homesick when I when I first went there and. Um, yeah, and and but uh, great people. I still so some of my best friends now are friends that I met there. You know, mm. um, so I, it was look. I was very. I, I always, you know, the one thing I always emphasize is how lucky I have been in life, because I've always ended up in the right place at the right time, and that's through no skill. That's through sheer luck. Yeah. And um, the luck of the Irish, you know, then. The luck, <laughs> the luck of the Irish, <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. So I, I I arrived at the captains at a great time with some great people there and. Like I said, some of my my best friends now, Richard Bevis and uh, Richard Curran, I met there when we were all in our teens, and they're still my 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 best friends now. Mm. And it was a great group of lads, and I learned a lot there. And actually, probably looking back in hindsight, you know, I, you know, I was probably I was a good rider, but I was probably never, you know, you need to have that extra. You need to be a little bit mad to be a jockey. And yeah. and although you know, I was good, I was good with the breakers and breaking horses in and things. I was good with the horses, and I was a good rider at home. I was never good enough to be a jockey, and actually, I went to see the captain um, after being there about two years, and said, "Look, I'd like to become a jockey." And he said, "Look," uh, he said, "I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't think you're good enough to be a jockey. You're a good work rider, and you're good in the yard." And he said, "I can see you being a a good head lad or a good assistant trainer somewhere." But he said, "I don't think the jockey route's the route for you." And I was very honest, and I stayed there for another season uh, with the captain, and then the opportunity uh, came to work with a, a friend of my brother's who. Who he worked with at Richard Francis um, called Colin Cowley, and Colin started training by himself uh, with a backer up up near Mal- or up near Wrexham, actually just outside Wrexham Markwheel. And uh, I went to work for Colin, and he got my license out. And I, I, I soon discovered that actually the captain was right, and I wasn't good enough to be a jockey. <laughs> so I had, I had two rides under rules. I had my first ride at Bangor, and I was finished stone last and I think I pulled up on my second ride at uh, at um sorry my first ride was at Ludlow and then my second ride was at Bangor. And I, I, I think I pulled up on my and I and I, I remember coming back from that and I was you know, they were both very lightweight and I was I was I struggled to do the weight and stuff. So it was uh yeah, it was a good eye opener and again, you know, I was very settled up there uh, but I was there about ten months and then a recession hit and um mm. Colin's backer, Colin Cowell's backer went bust and so it was a case of look there's going to be no more work in a month's time, so I had to get my skates on. And um, at the time, I'd, I'd known Carl Llewellyn from from uh, the captains. He was he was riding all the captains' horses. He was actually a five pound claimer when I went to the captains. Carl was, but he ended up riding most of the horses. And between him and Hugh Davis, and he started then become first jockey for for um, for Nigel Twiston Davis. 
so I rang Carl one day. I said, "Oh, I wonder if there's any jobs there." He said, "Yeah, definitely." He said they're expanding. So look, that was that was uh, ninety two, uh, nineteen ninety two, uh, no ninety three. Sorry, and uh, I, I, so I went. I went to Nigel's in nineteen ninety three, and I think Sam was ten months old at the time. Sam Tristan Davis. Yeah. And then I had a uh, obviously the had a fantastic time there. You know, there was I think there was probably fifty horses when I went there, uh, and then that summer went we went to sort of eighty horses and. We just had a great time, you know. Mm, Nigel yeah. was very forward thinking. Uh, with great jockeys, you know, between Carl Llewellyn, David Bridgewater was there, Tom Jenks, Chris Maud. You know, it was just some really, really good jockeys, mm. some great horses. Um, and it was a great time. And, and, you know, I went there as a lad and I did two years mucking out my, my, my horses and doing my five or four or five. And, and then, um, uh, and then uh, Nigel's, the, the head girl at the time, decided she was going to go off and train Kate. So Nigel said, look, do you want a, a head lad's job? And I, I just, yeah, I went from there, really. You know, and I've always enjoyed the training side of it. And, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was good. It was, it was, um, it was, yeah, it went from there. And, I, you know, I was, I was there for 18 years. So, yeah, it was a great, it was a, it was a fantastic time. And I, I suppose where I've been lucky at, at Nigel as well, unlike some of the lads that started there, I started training the same time as Tom Simmons. You know, Tom came out of Henderson's and was tipped for great things. And, and you know, Tom's a very good trainer and stuff, but, Never think about noise. We had good, we had good times and bad times, mm. and you, you you learn as much in, in during bad times. You learn more in bad times than you do in good times. You know, yeah, it's easy yeah. training racehorses when they're running well. Yeah, it's not so easy training when it's not so easy training when they're not running well. No, absolutely. And, and, you, you know, I've been training ten years now. You find your own methods. You know, haven't you know haven't just you know replicated what we did at noise. You know, we find our own ways and. We've, we've done our own thing and you know it's it's the it's the the, the mentality side of the, the horses which we we've, we've really concentrated on and you know treating them like athletes and which they are you know they're no different than a footballer or a rugby player no. um they, they 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 have to have their routine that you know their 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 um their, their food's very important their environment is very important they have to be happy in themselves to perform well so you're always trying to even though we train a lot of horses you're always trying to find that you know if one's not actually quite firing then you're trying to find that key to unlock that thing. Yeah. And sometimes you won't find it. No. And uh, on more than one occasion, Sally and I have said to an owner, look, we really can't do... We feel he has got potential or she's got potential better than gelding or mare. But we're not... You know, we can't find it. So you might be better in another yard or a different routine. Or mm. on it. Sometimes it can just be a different food, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think... The, the, the thing is to do your best with every horse but, but be honest with them as well you know Fergal O'Brien there from one of our In Conversation shows now we're going to catch up with some of our regular contributors to the show and we're going to start with David Pipe down at Wellington good afternoon David thanks for joining us on the show um, no how's, how's things going generally the summer summer racing with you yeah we've been very busy had, had lots of runners um, and uh, plenty, plenty of winners. Um, so we're on 23 winners now. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's been a bit a busy uh, summer period. Would you say that's a, a ahead of schedule? Uh, yeah, we're ahead of schedule. Uh, whatever, whatever you call schedule. But um, yeah, look, we've had a productive summer, um, and uh, all the winter ones are back in now. So uh, even busier again. And you've got to sort of. Uh, a mid-season break as it were coming up now um you, you know do you favor that is it something you want or does it interrupt the sort of preparation um i believe there needs to be a break in the in the season um how long and when 
um, is up for discussion. Uh, this uh, two-week break that we're having at this present moment um, is nice for the jockeys. That's it. You know, the jockeys get away uh, with their families or partners. Yeah. Uh, apart from that, apart from that, it's 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 not a break for anyone else. But it is good for the jockeys. Um, there's been a lot of chat these days about uh, prize money being down, and Rafe Beckett on, has been on uh, TV complaining about it. Uh, do, you know, what do you feel about? It? Do you think it needs to be increased? Uh, yeah, well, you know, this is this is this hasn't happened overnight. It's been happening the last two or three years, um, and uh, unfortunately, um, it's been taking too long for people to do uh, anything about it. And um, hopefully, they'll do something about it now. Um, the weather's been extremely warm lately. Um, presumably the going's getting harder and harder. Is that presenting itself a problem for you at all? Uh, not really, because horses that you have in this time of the year want this type of ground. Yeah. The horses do an extremely good job um, nowadays compared to 20 years ago. Um, so, you know, they've been doing a great job and, uh, um, you know, the horses have been um, running well and staying in one piece. Now, I gather you've had a bit of a star guest arrive on your, your scene today. Um, can you tell us about that? Um, yes, yeah, so Jeff Hurst um, came down yesterday. Oh, yesterday, uh, was it, yeah? Yeah, visited the yard um, and signed loads of photos, kicked a few balls and signed a few balls and had, had lots of pictures taken. So a lot of the, uh, <clears throat> a lot of the staff's kids and friends came in to see him so it was um it was a, a different morning yesterday but very entertaining what what was the connection i mean how did how did it come about david uh well it was to do with um our owners for ferguson Judith wilson they uh, invited him down here um and uh yeah you know he uh, he lives in cheltenham so he didn't have far to travel um and uh yeah and no, it was a pleasure to meet him Oh, absolutely, yeah, fantastic. Especially Jeff Hurst, you know, World Cup winner and that. It's kind of uh, yeah. winning trophies is in the news at the moment, isn't it? That's right, yep. yeah. <laughs> um, have you got much going in the next week or so now? I mean, obviously, you know, when the two-week break finishes. Yeah, it would just be the, the same horses when we start back on the 13th, I think it is. So yeah. uh, I'm sure we'll have a, have a few entries. We'll see what the weather does in between now and then. Good. Okay, David. Well, thank you very much for joining us again, and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Okay, cheers. Well, that was David Pipe down there in Wellington, and now we're going to catch up with our flat racing expert, Richard Phillips, uh, over in Gloucestershire. Uh, good afternoon, Richard. Welcome to the show again. Thanks for coming on. Um, a slightly lower-key weekend, but we have got the Group 1 race in Ireland, the Phoenix Stakes. So uh, what have you got to talk about today? Well, thanks, Adrian. Yeah, it is slightly lower key. We've got a few things coming up this week, including the Racing League and the Shergar Cup, which is basically uh, racing being a team game. It's not in everyone's eyes a team game, as it were. Racing is brilliant as sport as it is. It's hard sometimes to translate into a team game, but the Racing League and the Shergar Cup have increased prize money. So from that point of view, it's a, it's a positive. But yeah, the big one really is this Group 1 race in Ireland at the Curragh. The Phoenix Stakes often produces a very good horse. Uh, there's 12 entries, and the which that the you know the six-day stage and Aidan O'Brien's got a fair few in it. But it looks at this stage as Little Big Bear will be the one that's going to represent him if the ground's nice. Uh, Little Big Bear's a, a winner at Ascot, and uh, he's also been pretty impressive since then. Um, so he looks like one of the um, main 
two-year-olds of this year, Little Big Bear, and uh, Aidan O'Brien looks as though he's got the favourite there. Also going over there is Brad Sale, who also won at Royal Ascot, uh, of Archie Watson's, who was very impressive at Royal Ascot, and Persian Force, Richard Hannon's horse, who was an impressive winner at the July meeting at Newmarket. He was runner-up in the Coventry at Ascot, but he looks like a Guineas horse, possibly, at the Richard Hannon camp. So Persian Force and Brad Sell will give Little Big Bear a big test, but it looks like a really good Group 1 for two-year-olds in Ireland on Saturday. Uh, you're going to stick your neck out? I suppose you think Little Big Bear will win, then. Yeah, I must admit, I put Little Big Bear in my Horses to Follow book early on after it... Um, it was sort of runner-up in his first run, Little Big Bear, and he, he was he was quite promising that day. He's won his next three. So Little Big Bear does look like a good horse. But Brad Sale and Persian Force, there's a case to be made for both of them. So I wouldn't be backing anything in the race. I'd just be looking out to see how the race went. But I think the winner of this race is obviously going to be the best two-year-old we've seen near enough this season. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, for those of us that are not totally... Um tuned into the Shergar Cup. Can you just explain to us exactly what it's all about? Well, the Shergar Cup was basically set up a fair while ago, um, sorry, over 20 years ago, I think. Um, and it's basically run at Ascot. It originally started at Goodwood, now run at Ascot. And the races are basically for... Uh, they'll be running in colours of jockeys' teams, as it were. So they'll have an Irish team, the British team, the rest of the world team, a ladies' team women riders in there as well. So um, it's a way of turning the jockeys into teams, as it were, from different parts or sections of society or the world. And uh, it's a bit of fun, really. And I'm pleased to report that uh, quite often um, the female riders come out on top because they're more intelligent than the male riders a lot of the time and they're probably even better team members than uh, the, the men, as it were. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's great that it, it's great. There's a bit of camaraderie between the, but it's a, it's a bit of fun and there's good prize money, and as I say, the colours are basically they all wear the same colours apart from different coloured caps for each team. So it's like a different event, as it were. It's a bit it's a bit of a novelty, and there's good prize money, and it enables you know jockeys from other parts of the world and who wouldn't necessarily be seen in Britain riding as well. So. From that point of view, it's a good showcase for the world's greatest riders. But presumably, it's it's uh, you know apart from the, what you've just explained, the races themselves, it, you you can sort of separate them in the sense that they've got their own prize money. It's it's still the uh, you know the Betfair uh, mile race or whatever. Um, it's just that they sort of, if you like, add on these sort of um, extras, as it were, to make it into the Shergar Cup. Well, it's the Dubai Duty Free Shergar uh, sponsored event. So Dubai Duty Free are sponsoring all the races. And there's 50,000 added to um, the first few races and 75,000 added to the next. So it's good prize money. Yeah. And it's payment down to, it's payment down to uh, you know, the sixth horse home. So you've got a real chance of earning some prize money and being involved in an entertaining event if you're an owner. But your colours aren't actually carried by your horse. Um, they're actually in teams and depending on which rider rides your horse and it's put into a ballot. So you don't, you can't choose your rider. Uh, uh, the ballot takes place and the jockey will ride whichever horse comes out of the, um, of the ballot. So uh, from that point of view, it's always interesting to see who gets on with what horses. But um, yeah, it's, it's not everyone's cup of tea, as it were, but 
it, it's something to um, showcase the great jockey ship that we have throughout the world, flat racing. And, and what have we got coming up in the next few weeks then, Richard? I know the Judmont International is fairly soon, and the Eborv, is there other ones as well? Well, the, I think the York meeting is the great August meeting. I mean, we've had a great, a fantastic um, flat season so far. I really do think the classics have been really interesting. And, of course, the King George, I saw uh, William Muir earlier in the week, uh, who trained pile driver to win the King George. That was a great, great victory. A very good horse, trained very well. And it was a great victory for racing because it proved that you you can literally win the greatest races in the world coming from anywhere. This horse was not sold as a foal pile driver. They couldn't get £10,000 for it as a foal. Uh, so the breeders put the horse into training. And look what's happened. It's got, he's one of the best horses in the world, and he's done it season after season. And it was no fluke. He really was a good horse um, as a three-year-old. Uh, he looked a classic contender as a three-year-old. He was a very good horse last year. He's been travelled around the world, and it's a well-deserved victory at, well, uh, at Ascot in the King George. So it's been a fantastic flat season, but York is the one we're looking forward to, and I think that Judmont is the one, because Baid is stepping up in trip, the world's best racehorse, trained by William Haggis, stepping up in trip from a mile to a mile and a quarter. Uh, he's by Sea the Stars. Um, his father, Sea the Stars, won the race um, as a three-year-old, and this horse now a four-year-old. He, he's going to be hopefully seen at his best over a mile and a quarter. Connections think he'd be better over a mile and a quarter. So that's the race, possibly, of, of the season coming up in the Judmont International. So York is always a great meeting. They've got Jim Crack for two-year-olds. We've got the Nunthorpe for the sprinters. The great Ebor handicap, worth a lot of money. Uh, and that's always a puzzle, hard to work out. But uh, the Judmont International will certainly be a, a race to savour. Well, I'm sure you've built up a pretty good uh, mouth-watering prospect there. So uh, hopefully we will all get uh, some good racing from it. So uh, thank you for that, Richard. And um, we will catch up with you again next week. All, all been well? Super. Look forward to it. Thank you, sir. You're a star. Bye-bye. Right, well, this weekend is the Shergar Cup, and we're going to talk to somebody who's got a couple of horses entered in the Shergar Cup, and that is, of course, Mr Rod Millman down at Columpton. Well, good afternoon, Rod. Um, welcome to the show again, as usual. Spot on with your uh, predictions last week. Um, Shergar Cup this week, is, is that something... I mean, I know you're you're a part of it. Is it something that you enjoy? Uh, yes, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a party atmosphere, really. Um, the horses run under their team's names, yeah. um, and you have a random jockey. Uh, you can't choose your jockey. You get allocated a jockey. Um, and obviously sometimes a different person on a horse gets a different result out of them, a different tune out of them. Yeah, so it yeah. can be quite interesting. Um, and the prize money is really, really good. I mean, uh, all the races are worth... 50,000, some are worth 75,000. And mm, yeah. it's a big price to go for. Um, there's only 10 runners. Yeah. You're guaranteed roughly £1,000 for taking part. Right. Uh, the owners get um, very well looked after. They probably have, um, oh, I suppose if you had to buy a ticket, it'd probably be £200 plus a, plus a ticket for yeah. the food and drink yeah. supplies, yeah. you know, corporate yeah. day out. And they get all that so they look free. after you very well and you and you probably get six tickets per horse. Oh, yeah. So it's a very good day. Um, I We always try and have runners there if we can. We've had a few winners over the years, and um, 
it's a good day out for everyone, you know. Yeah, and you you got crazy luck and an Amazonian dream going by the look of it. Have I, have I got that right? Well, we've got crazy luck. She's in a classified not to ninety. She's four pounds wrong with um, someone which is rated ninety. Yeah, but it's only eight runners, and she's a hold up horse. So I think she won pretty well. Mm-hmm. And we've got Hayley Turner's been allocated to her. So um, that was a good She's a very easy ride as well, so mm. um, no problems there at all. Yeah. Um, I did have a bit of a problem with Amazon Dream because he can be a bit difficult leaving the paddock. Right. And you wouldn't want any of the jockeys who are a little bit careful nowadays, you know? Yeah, quite. So yeah. Um, luckily we've got Karen Schumark, who's a very good young jockey. Yeah. So um, I'm sure he won't be frightened of him in the paddock. And well, um, he's but... quite a, he's quite a good horse on his day, you know? Presumably forewarned is forearmed as well, so it's not like he's going to go into it totally, uh, you know. No, 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 but um, the trouble is jockeys aren't, they, they wind each other up in the weighing room. Yeah, yeah. And um, often, if they don't know them, they'll say, well, you're not riding that, are you? Yeah. Oh, Christ, I wouldn't ride that, you'd be careful. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, you get a very nervous jockey get on, and anybody's, and if the jockey's a bit nervous, the horse feels it and... Everything goes wrong. When when it comes to picking the jockeys, though, I mean, do the jockey? I mean, have you got all the top ones, or or is it a load of sort of amateur ones? Well, not amateurs, but you know, no, no, they'll all, they'll all they'll all be they'll all be top jockeys. Yeah. Um, but some of the very best, like Willie Burick, um, he's been he's been claimed by um, Godolphin to go somewhere. I think you know. Oh yeah. And yeah. some nowadays, a lot of the jockeys have retainers. Yeah. Yeah. And they have to go to certain tracks, so you can. You know, you don't always get the best ones. Now, no. this is the same as the racing league night oh, in Doncaster. Yeah. We've got the first the racing league. Now, we're in the Wales in the West. Right. Um, Jamie Osborne's our manager, and um, the, uh, he's been busy busy trying to field a team this week. Yeah. So I've got two runners in that tonight, so that'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, we've got um, Silent Flame and Ignat Namar in two races, and Again, their race is uh, twenty-five thousand and fifty thousand, so they're well worth going for. Yeah, yeah, um, right. So they're putting a lot of new initiatives on, but of course, there's a lot of problems at the moment with um, not races not filling. Well, a lot of it's to do with the ground being so fast. Yeah, people don't want to jar up the horses, and the other thing is you don't when the ground's fast, you all try to pick the, pick the least competitive race possible. Yeah. So um, you know what. What the, what the punters want, the general and the bookmakers want, is not what the owners want. No, quite. quite. So, so we want we want as small a field as possible to give us more chance of winning prize money. Yeah, yeah. But um, and the trouble is, they are saying there's too many at a class races, and they want to cut them down to make them more competitive. Yeah. Which is fine, but if you're lucky enough to have one of these good horses, you're looking to make it pay its way, and. If you cut the races down, there's no point in keeping them. No, <laughs> it's no, it's a bit of a two-way, two-edged sword. You know, which way do you go, really? Yeah. Um, there's there's merit in both arguments, you know. Yeah, quite. But looking at beyond the Saturday, you've got um, Princess Naomi possibly going on Sunday at Haydock. Is that still happening? Yeah, well, that's another uh, Sunday initiative, Sunday series. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a uh, quite a thirty-five thousand pound race, I think. Uh-huh. Well. We, you wouldn't normally get horses of her her rating for that sort of prize money. Yeah. Um, yeah. She had a bad day. I only ran her at uh, Kempton this week, and it didn't go to plan. She pulled too hard, and things went wrong. So she had 
no sort of race at all. So she may well run again. We'll see her many declared. Right. And then Monday, you've got a couple, uh, Bama Lama and um, Madam Pickle. Yeah, ba Bama won't run. The ground will be too fast for her. Yeah. And Madam Pickle, she's had three runs in Maidens. Um, has got a very low handicap mark, and she's having her first handicap, which is a totally different ball game to her novices. So, a little bit of a dip into the dark then, this one, then. Yeah, well, she, she'll be okay in time. She's a bit backward. Yeah. Um, but she, she'll outrun her weight, the weight, put it that way. She's only rated very, very low. I think she's better than her weight. I think she's potentially well handicapped. Rod, looking at, you know, we're, we're into August now. Um, I suppose, when does when does the flat racing officially finish? Sort of, is, it, is it October? Uh, well, the grass season is, is, usually ends the first week of November. Oh, right. So, I mean... But you know, nowadays, nowadays is tw it's a 12 month Year yeah, because obviously you've got the, the um, all weather. But all um, weather, yeah. How how would you describe your season so far? Yeah, we're having a very strong season. I mean, we've had, um, I think we're lying 50, 51st in the championship at the moment, 56, 52nd, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've we've run the least amount of horses of anyone. Of, there aren't many who've ridden above us have run less horses than us. Yeah. I would say, and don't forget, I think we're 37 seconds as well. Yeah. So we've got a hell of a percentage in the prize money this year. Probably our best season to date, really. Right. Well, that's good. That's good. That's what we want to hear. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, when I came to you though, all those years, what, two years ago, more than two years ago now to do this, um, I came to you because you were in Columpton, but I was also aware that you were, uh, you know, a very good uh, trainer and that we might get some success. So uh, it's nice to see that it's all coming together. So, oh, thank you. No, it's... It's um, it's been it's been a very busy campaign this year. We've had a lot of runners. Yeah. Um, everything in the yard, nearly everything in the yard has been running regularly. Which is good. I mean, a lot of a lot of the big yards. I mean, the big yards have got a couple hundred horses, and yeah. probably only run a half their horses up to now. You know. Yeah, quite, quite. But it's uh, no, but it's good that you, you know it's all sort of coming together, and then you know there's still a fair bit of, of time to come yet. All right. I mean, it looks like next week's going to be pretty stormy, uh, pretty um, hot um, uh, next oh, week. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah, so, so. Um, I think, you know, we've got at least another week of this, probably possibly more, but, uh, you know, you've still got sort of September, October, November, haven't you? So, uh, can't be too And bad. anyway, how, how are the, um, how are the uh, football team coming on? Have you, have you got a full squad? Yeah, we've we uh, well, just we've got a new manager, a guy called Chris Hargreaves, who was for a while down at uh, Torquay. Um, so right. down sort of fairly close to you um, yeah we've we've kept I think seven of the team from last year and, and the best seven which is good and then he's brought in some you know about six or seven new players already um, some yeah. of them are youngsters some of them are slightly inexperienced but others are, are, are you know competitive players so we're hoping that it's going to be a good season but you know you, you always go into did the all season the old, did, did, all, did all the last year's players get new clubs this year? Um, the ones that moved on, I'm not sure whether they've all got new clubs. Certainly, some of them have, but uh, I'm not sure that all of them have. You know, but, um, it must be a very nervous time for the players whether they're going to be released or whatever. Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, and you know, and obviously, you've got to pick a club that's that's got plenty of money that they're not, you know, going to get money troubles there. I mean, you know, Yeovil is well documented; they've had money troubles, and uh, mm. you know, it's, it's it's not been easy. But uh, no, it's it's you know, we're we're, we're optimistic. We start to uh, Saturday at 
Scunthorpe, would you believe, on the TV. Right. So, uh, oh, right. Yeah, it's on the TV. Is it FA Cup? Is that FA Cup, is it? No, no, it's just a, an ordinary National oh, League game, right, but it's right. uh, 20 past five on BT Sports. So if you feel an uncontrollable urge, switch it on. All right, okay. <laughs> All right, then. Okay. All right, then. Okay, then, Rod. Well, thanks okay. very much for joining us again, and we'll speak to you next week, and best of luck in the Shogar Cup. Right, well, it's time to catch up with now with Jamie Snowden up at Lambourne. Jamie, how are you this afternoon? Yeah, very well, thanks, Eddie. How are you? Well, I'm not too bad. Um, first press conference of the season for Yeovil Town, so I've been to that this morning, and uh, now I'm sort of just putting stuff up on the radio, really, which is uh, keeping me occupied. But um, perfect. I see. I see. Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal are kicking off against Crystal Palace, aren't they? So, yeah, uh, yeah. That's, we can all start off on the right foot. Well, that's right. And United are playing Brighton, so um, I'm hoping that. Uh, Mr. Ten Hag, as I've got to call him, because my specialist for my back is a Dutchman, and he tells me it's Den Ten Hag, so that's that's fair enough. Um, but but good pronunciation. <laughs> but uh, more about racing. Um, you've got a couple of weeks off now, haven't you? So I was wondering, can you can you tell the listeners, you know, when you get faced with a situation like that, first of all, does it does it disrupt you in any way? I mean, it must be nice to have some time off a bit, but, but I mean, it's not like you could just say, that's it, I'm not going to work for two weeks, because clearly you've got a load of horses that need looking after. Yeah, so it's a very controversial sort of um, subject, really, when 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 jump racing should have should have a, a, a break. Um, there's obviously this two-week spell now, which um, certainly helps helps the jockeys get away and um, go, go and have a break abroad. But um, obviously, all the all the sort of winter horses are, are, are back in now. The summer horses are, are obviously in. Um, so it's a, a kind of busy time in terms of looking after horses and exercising horses. So um, it, although it's a nice time for, for jockeys, it's it's less good for for stable staff really. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, when is the right time to, to, to have the break? Really, it's um, it, it's an ongoing subject, and um, I'm not sure I, I'll be able to answer it. But uh, we all have an opinion. No, quite. And uh, you know, as you say, that you know, the stable staff in particular, you know, they are the unsung heroes of any any stable. I think it's fair to say because they they work ridiculous hours. Um, you know, getting up in the middle of the night to to go for a ride on a horse. I mean, crazy. But I mean, it has to be done, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, you, you you can tell from this, I'm not an early riser. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose um, we we t- we tend to start at the same time, whether it's Christmas, Easter, or summer. But um, certainly during that hot spell, we we started a, a little bit early to try and get the horses done. But um, yeah, so it, it is a an early morning kind of start. But um, as as you say, it's it's. The stable staff work work very hard all year round, and and um, I, to me, it seems a little bit of a shame to have a a two week spell of no racing when all the horses are back in. It, it's yeah. kind of ridiculous. But, but on the other side of things, if you look at well, I've looked at my phone, and I've got a weather app on there. Now the weather looks to be set fair for the next sort of at least week to ten days of being hot and sunny all the time. So. Uh, you know, presumably the ground's going to get harder and harder. I mean, which would possibly mean loads of non-runners, would it? You're right. Um, I suppose the the one thing you would say is that the summer jump track tends to do a very good job at washing the ground. So yeah, um, yeah. It, the, the, the the summer jump tracks do 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 a great job. But yeah, you're right. There's not there's not much rain around. Um, obviously, the winter horses aren't, aren't racing at the moment, but they still need to be exercised, and um, perhaps at the right time to have a. A, a time out of racing is 
is sort of June, July, when when the horses don't tend to be in the summer horses. There's less less in, and and actually, you know, people can have a a, a good break. But um, I, I do think there needs to be a. a a, a spell without jump racing because it does um yeah. it does go on and i don't think that i don't think you'd actually lose any races um because of it because quite often now you have um you have racing on a on a monday a wednesday a friday a sunday um through the summer whereas actually if you if you if you took out all of those and and constituted them, them into a, a, a spell where there is jump racing then you could quite easily have a you know, a five-week spell, six-week spell of no jump racing, but yet you you wouldn't lose any any fixtures if, yeah. if if that was the case. So race courses wouldn't necessarily be un, unhappy about it. But no. um, as with all things in racing, trying to get um, everyone around the table is hard enough, and getting everyone to agree is even harder. Yeah, quite absolutely. But uh, when I mean, how far do you have to when when you you, you exercise the horses in the morning? How far do you have to take them? Um, we're, we're, every, every horse is out for an hour a day. Um, oh, so we, we pull out first loss at seven o'clock, back in eight, second lot goes out at half eight, back in at half nine, and then everyone stops for a cup of tea and, and, a, and, a, and a bit of a break, and then quarter past ten to quarter past eleven, and then half eleven to half twelve. Because it's pretty intense, isn't it? Pretty, as I say, these, these stable staff, they earn their money, don't they? They certainly do, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And then obviously there's a, 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 bit of a bit of a break when everyone goes off and uh, has has their lunch and then they come back at half three and finish at half five. Yeah, no, it's a hard hard life, I'm sure. But there we go. Well, you enjoy it, uh, Jamie, because I know uh, you know it's intense for you as well. But at least you've got ten days now where you're not going to do much anyway. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, no, all good. Good. Okay, then we'll speak to you next week. Yeah, look forward to it. Thanks, Eddie. Take Thanks, care. Thanks, Jamie. Cheers for now. Bye-bye. Well, now it's time to catch up with Dave Wilson at Harlequin Racing, and uh, hopefully we've got a few winners. Well, good afternoon, Dave. Nice sunny afternoon. Uh, I take it you're going to be going to the Shergar Cup. Yeah, it's one of my favourite uh, meetings of the whole year. I do enjoy this one, and uh, a good... Uh, Ladies won it a few times for us, and we've had a good few bets on her. So uh, uh, yeah, you're, we'll you're having a look over it. I can tell you, she's riding one of um, uh, Rod Millman's. Yeah, I see that. Uh, something lucky, weren't it? Um, crazy luck, I think. It crazy is. luck. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, crazy luck. Mm. Uh, but yeah. no, it's a. Fantastic competition. Uh, it's been extended from six races to eight races this year. We've got the four teams in. You've got the European team, which is being captained by Frankie Dottori, and he's got Antonio Fresu, Jose Luis Martinez, and Rennie Paisaluk. I know him well. Team. You what? I said I know him well. <laughs> you know him all well. <laughs> One's an Italian champion apprentice, and he's a very successful jockey out in the UAE now, Mr. Fresu. Jose Luis Martinez is a nine times champion jockey of Spain. And Rennie Peicher looks the up and coming German boy who won on the art course last year, won the art to triumph. Yeah. So uh, they're a very, very strong team, uh, even though they're very unknown by most of the people over here. Mm. Uh, you've got the GB and Ireland team, uh, captained by Jamie Spencer. He's got Danny Tabhope, Neil Cannon, and uh, Kieran Schumark in his team. Yeah. You've got the rest of the world being captained by Christophe Lemaire, 
and he's got Karen McAvoy on board with Justin Collett and Takeshi Yukayama. Oh, I know him well as uh, well, yeah. Yeah, he's a rising star of uh, Japanese racing, this uh, lad. He he often rides against his father in the big races out there and uh, also his uh, brother. Uh, He he had over 100 winners in 2021 out there and he's only a 22-year-old or he's, he's now 23, but... He's a very, very tidy jockey, believe me. Yeah. And then you've got the ladies' team with uh, the captain, little Miss Cutie, uh, Hayley Turner. And then Nicola Curry's riding with her, Joanna Mason. And she's had to replace Holly Doyle because Holly's gone out to ride Bradsell out in Ireland. And then you've got the Canadian lady, Emma Jane Wilson, who was second for the jockey's title back in 2014 when she rode in it last. So you've got some wonderful jockeys there and uh, some absolutely fantastic teams so what we're going to do we're going to give you a small breakdown of how we think the eight races are go and uh, the points that each jockey is going to get and the team points and uh, see if we can pick the team that wins it the jockey that wins it and go from there okay so for one o'clock race uh, we think Amazoe will win it with Joanna Mason on board we think Blenheim Boy will be second and adjourned will be third. Now, that'll give the ladies 15 points, and the English boys 10 points, and then the rest of the world 7. Now, how the scoring works for this, before we go any further, if they win a race, they get 15 points. If they come second, they get 10. If they come third, they get 7. If they come fourth, they get 5. And if they come fifth, they get 3. Anything outside the first five places, it don't get any points. Now, what this does do is make sure that the people in fourth, uh, fifth, sixth, seventh place are riding all the way through the winning line to try and get them extra points for the team and themselves. So it is a fantastic little system. Good. Okay. I'm sorry about my uh, pet duck going off in the middle there. That's all right. We'll have him for dinner on Sunday, I'm yeah. sure, but uh, not a problem. Yeah, good. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Amazoe on the first race then? Amazoe we fancy on the first one. In yeah. the 135, we like the chances there of Orban. He won at 20 to 1 for us at Goodwood uh, last week in, in one of our bets. I don't think he was on the show because it was a midweek race and uh, he was a nice winner for us. We think Epsom Faithful is going to be second and Crazy Luck we think will be third. So that will give uh, Neil Callum 15 points, Rennie Paisaluk 10 points, and Hayley Turner 7. So that's how we think the second race will unfold. Okay. Uh, moving on to the third race, the 2-10, we think Count Dorsey will win it for Jose Luis Martinez. Manacan will be second for Hayley Turner, and Arisibo will be third for Danny Tudhope. Now, moving down to the fourth race on the card, we like the chances here of Super Super Jack, Nicola Curry, and this one's trained by one of our good friends, uh, Milton Harris. Oh, yes. So, uh, nice one on the flat for Milton, this one. We think Island Brave will be second there for Louis Ma- uh, Jose Louis Martinez, and we think Rock Eagle will be in third place for Kieran McAvoy. Okay. On to the second half of the card, the 320 race, sorry. We think Pretty Sweet will go well in there for Jason Collett, the New Zealander. Uh, we think second will be the Whipmaster for the 
Italian lad Antonio Fresu, and we think third will be Celtic art for Takeshi Castle, um, Takeshi Yokoyama uh, in that race there. Full, mar- full march for present. Pre- I was going to say, if I can get my teeth in, full march for pronunciation there, mate. Yeah, it's Keishi Castle. That's one of the things that the girls was watching on one of the channels the other night. Uh, to Keishi Yakayama. Yeah. Uh, moving moving on to the three fifty five race, we think Frankie will win this one with uh, Isla Kai. Now this this is a horse that I'm going to have a nice bet on during the day as well. He's been running really well, and then he's had a couple of disappointing runs, and I think he's coming back to form now, so I like Island Kai as one of my bankers of the day. Uh, in second we think the Jungle Cove will be there for Emma Jane Wilson and we think Lexington Dash will be third for Antonio Fresu there. Okay. Moving down to the 4.30 race uh, we think Franz Strauss will win this one for Jose Luis Martinez. We think in second will be Joanna Mason on Berkshire Breeze. And in third, Jason Collett on our favourite horse, Pub Crawl. Because we do like one of them every yeah. odd occasion. And <laughs> we'll see how he gets along. He's trained by Michael Bell, so he'll have a good chance there. And then moving on to the last race, uh, in first place, we think Spangled Mac for Nicola Curry. Uh, Tolstoy will be in second for Jason Collett. And third will be Raziana for Jose Luis Martinez. Now, when you put all of them numbers together and all of them results together, we think the outcome's going to be in fourth place, GB and Ireland. The rest of the world will be third. We think the ladies will be second. And we think the European boys in blue will be the winners. Hang on a bit. Can you just go back? Uh, G- fourth GB. Fourth GB. Third rest of the world. Hang on. Rest of the world. Yeah, carry on. Second, we think, will be the ladies, and we think winning the team title will be the Europe boys, captained by Frankie. And we think we're going to win it by about seven to ten points on what we've uh, calculated up. Okay. Okay. Now, the jockey's title, which is called the Silver Saddle for the meeting, which runs alongside the main team competition, we think in third place will be Nicola Curry. In second place, we think it'll be the New Zealand lad, Justin Collett. And we think the winner's going to be Jose Luis Martinez, the 51-year-old Spaniard who's been nine-time Spanish champion, who's a very, very shrewd jockey. And we think he's got the rights to win the, win the silver saddle here. So uh, Jose Luis Martinez to win the silver saddle, Europe to win the team title, and have a lovely day watching the eight races. So uh, that's what we're going to be doing. Good. OK, Dave, well, that's fine. That's a nice comprehensive uh, look at the Sugar Cup. So, uh, yeah, let's hope you're you're right and we win some money here. Yeah, the best thing about it is it, it, the, the team that you back, you're cheering on three or four runners in a race or two or three runners in a race. So it, it, it's something that's completely different to the normal for the horse racing public to have a bat on. Yeah. If you're back in the team, you've got you've got a lot more chances, and you've got to get them all up there. If yeah. You've got one out the back door; he's not scoring your points, so uh, it's uh, 
something completely different and it's a lovely weekend well it's a lovely day's racing to watch and with your pen and paper out <laughs> trying to work out who's doing what and who's winning this and that yeah so absolutely absolutely okay mate that's fine well okay. we'll uh, we'll watch that and we'll speak to you next week lovely mate thanks a lot thanks speak a lot next week yeah cheers Dave thank you and now it's time to catch up with the cheeky chappy it's Colin Brown well good evening Colin how are things down at Brighton the gay capital yes. of the world it's a great place, Brighton. Yeah, it's Pride Weekend, so there's a, a lot going on, to say the least. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I've been working hard in hospitality down. It's been Ladies' Day today, and um, we have a quite an interesting um, bunch of ladies to uh, to uh, enter entering for the ladies' competition here. Uh -huh. So, yeah, it was fun. Good. And then we've got great racing the weekend. I'm off to Ascot to do a bit of Ascot TV with... Um, Rupert Bell and Hayley Moore for uh, Ascot TV and do a bit of the old betting thing that I do. I'm their betting ambassador for the um, for the betting uh, booze around the track. I'm not sure whether Whirlpool, I don't think it's Whirlpool the weekend, but it's going to be a good meeting, sure, I'll come eight races, and um, we've got good racing at Newmarket as well as Haydock. So plenty to look forward to. Then I'm at, um, where am I? Windsor Sunday because I'm friendly with a lovely lady called Lynn Osgood, whose um, late husband Peter Osgood was a great footballer uh, for Chelsea for many years, and he played for Southampton, and he played for Portsmouth, I think. And another lovely lady, um, Elaine Hutchinson, whose late husband was Ian Hutchinson, who of course was a great football player many years ago. So I go and do a bit of hosting with them and they sponsor a race there etc etc so yeah no peace for the wicked I'm busy Ian Hutchinson of course was with, with Peter Osgood at Chelsea yeah he, he was their great mate and yeah. um, the Aussie and Hutch day's been going for well since yeah. they died which was gosh you know Lynn's only a she's a lovely lady she's like probably 70 something but you know they lost their husbands like 20 years ago it's a yeah. lot of yeah, years, isn't it really? Yeah, it is. It is, and good players they were too. Good players. Yeah. But there yeah. We go. Anyway, this is all about horse racing now. So, what have you got? Well, we're going to start with um, Haydock Park, and um, in the f uh, two twenty-five, there's an interesting running runner here. I think called called Dutch Decoy. It's about thirteen to two. It was fourth to a Giro at Haydock the other day. I think it ran a real good race that day. And I don't think it will be far away. So that's my first selection in the 2.25 um, there at Haydock Park. Now, um, your man, as they call him, uh, Jim Crowley, or Crowley, has gone up to Haydock Park to ride. He rides a horse uh, in the 3 o'clock. It's the... Rosa Lancaster Stakes, a Group 3 race, a horse that won at York the other day, or well, about a month ago, uh, called um, Anne Matt. It's trained locally to me by Owen Burroughs. I don't think this one will be too far away. And he's an each-way bet. And I'm going to tell you to put him in a forecast, because I've had a great word for the favourite, Grocer Jack. And they're keen to back this. It beat Cadillac at Newbury. They think it's very, very good. And... Um, so I think that's a two against the field. So Grosser Jack's the win bet, if you like, in the three o'clock. And Anne Matt is the each-way bet uh, in the same race. So interesting racing there at uh, Haydock Park. Yeah. 
Oscular. I tipped him up the other day when he won at Goodwood. He just got up the inside to win by short head from International Angel. I think he'll win again. Oscular runs in a Phillies and Mares listed in the 335 at Haydock Park. Um, and I think that's my lot at Haydock. I don't really fancy anything else there, but if they all, all three win, then we'll be cooking on gas, as they say. Absolutely, yeah. Good racing at Newmarket. Listeners, and um, we've got a newcomer's Phillies uh, race at 1.20. And there's a beautifully bred Philly that runs here. I have a great mare called Mirabalas, and this is bred by Judmont. That's, of course, the um, late, great Khalid Abdullah. And I think that will probably win the first. It's called Jalaba, and um, it is beautifully bred, and I don't think she'll be too far away. Okay. <clears throat> the nursery handicap, I suppose, the ground is so f firm. And, you know, I think there's starting to be hosepipe bands. Down here in Sussex, certainly, there's hosepipe bands. And um, there's a very good race. Uh, the nursery race was only three runners in it. Um, not sure what wins it, really. But I think probably Simon Christopher's horse, Tarlo. But three runners, do we want to be betting the three-runner race now? We leave it alone. We'll go on to the next race. And the National Stud Handicap, again, not many runners here, but Kingscope runs up Rise Horse for Mark Johnson near it. You know, it's been running okay a couple of times at Goodwood, but got well beaten last time out at Pontefract. And it's called Madam Ambassador, and I think that might win the 2.30. I wouldn't be lumping on it too seriously, but I think it's got a good chance. Radio. Now... Having been at Brighton all week, I tipped up a horse called Whisper that was well-backed and at one for my great friend Michael Blanchard. He's a man that comes from the West Country. In fact, he was born at a place called Simley, which is down near Gillingham, which is down, of course, near where the lovely Mary lives, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think she knew Mike Blanchard, but Mike's a good mate of mine, and he, uh, he used to train. He retired from training, and... Um, he had a couple of syndicate horses, um, and he said, right, where am I going to send these horses? And I said to him, why don't you send them to Marcus Trigoning? He's a good mate of mine, and he's a lovely guy, and of course, he did. And down at the Brighton Festival, Whisper appeared on Thursday, and duly won nicely. And Night of Luxury beat Whisper at Epsom last time out, and that's the one I think, Mary, will win the... 3.05 at um, at Epsom at, at one Epsom last time at, at Newmarket so night of luxury in the 3.05 okay right it's uh, it's it's interesting racing but Carl Burke great trainer um, runs a horse in the sweet Solera Philly states so group 3 race some good runners in this race, but um, this horse won at Doncaster first time out last ooh, when was it, in the middle of July and I think it'll win again it's called Nova Kai number 9 in the 340 up there at um, Newmarket Okay. now, Ropey Guest is a hard horse to win with he was beaten four lengths last time out of Ascot, time before that he was just beaten a length by Blessing 
Time before that, he's beaten a length by Inver Park at Asker in the Buckingham Palace face. But he is quite hard to win with. In fact, he's only won two of 30 races. But he, all, you know, it's going to be not as hard in a race. It's going to be harder in a race where they go maybe not the sort of pace he wants. But um, I think Roby Guest can probably win um, the 420 at Newmarket the weekend. And that takes us 82. God, and it's on TV. And I tell you what, Mary likes a bit of colour. I think she'll be <laughs> loving Asker because it's the Shergard Cup. And we've got eight races for the Shergard Cup. The first one being at one o'clock. And it's a tough, tough day's racing. And what it is, it's teams from around the world, you know, jockeys from around the world. So we've got an English team. <clears throat> we've got a from around the world team. We've got a European team and an Irish team. So interesting racing. So in the first race, which is at one o'clock, um, what wins it? Well, what happens is the trainers don't book a jockey to ride. They get given their jockey to ride. So it's all a ballot, if you like. Um, but the horse that sort of almost stands out in our first race, if you like, uh, on, on Saturday is, um, is a horse that's been running really well from Fahey Stable called Blenheim Boy. And Jamie Spencer rides that for the Irish team. Second race of the Dubai Duty Free um, Day is, a, again, a classified stakes race at 1.35. And just looking who wins this, um, there's a big improver of Pat Feelings called Epsom Faith Force Training Epsom by him. And um, it's a horse that's ridden by Rennie Pishuk. I don't know who he is, the jockey, to be honest. I think he's from the rest of the world. And I would say this. No, he's not. He's from Europe. He's from he's Germany, German isn't jockey. he? He's German. Of course he is. He won, he won the big race. The he won the Arc, didn't at, he? Um, yes. And he won on a good horse at um, Goodwood. Yeah, I tipped him up. Yeah, he's a German jockey. He rides up some faithful, and I think that'll take the beat. <clears throat> but, of course, uh, just to, just to hold, hold on there, boy. Hang on a minute. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, I was talking to Rod Melman today, as I often do. Oh, yeah. And Crazy Luck's in the same race, and he's got Hayley Turner on. Now, I think Ooh, Hayley Turner is, is she's an a, a ex excellent jockey. She seems to sneak in with wins when you don't expect it. And, and while yeah. she's perhaps not quite on a par with, um, with Hayley Turner, with um, Holly Doyle, she's certainly a, a very good jockey. And he's quite chuffed that he's got Hayley Turner on Crazy Luck. So I'm just chucking that in, all right? Okay, yeah, listen to that one, listeners. In the well done, in the show, I've got Dash, the sprint at some um, 210. I'm going for a horse called. Um, it's, one second. Computer's gone. Well, this is what happens, isn't it? Mm -hmm. the computer goes a bit silly. Right, I've gone for a horse called Arecibo for the Irish, ridden by Tunho. Um, it's a horse that's very consistent and um, <clears throat> trained by Robert Carr. I don't think that wouldn't be too far away. Okay. Now, the Stayers race is at 2.45. And what wins this is wide open, but the favourite is a horse of Milton Harris. It's called yeah, Super, Super, Super Jack. Jack. Second, yeah. yeah, second in Master Miller the other day. But do you know, I'm sure it's good enough. I, I don't know as the odds. I didn't really fancy it the other day, although it went very close. But it does stay very well. And, um, you know, it has won there before, I think. But it wouldn't um, 
it wouldn't be um, it wouldn't be too far away. But do you know, there's another horse run at Goodwood last week, and um, it runs in the European colours. Island Brave, it's called. It's trained by um, Heather Main. It was only beaten seven lengths by True Shan at Newcastle in the plate. Um, it's got plenty of good form. It's won 10 of its 56 races. At around about um, nine to one, I can see it getting in the first three. Okay. Fair right. As, as, as we go on through the show, the show got cut from day. There's a mile and three race there. What wins it? Let's have a little look, see if we can find you the winner. Um, there's a horse that's a big price that ran third at Ripon the other day. Was a little bit disappointing, but a big price, about 40 to 1, could just get into the um, three. And it's called Dane Hill Kodiak. That's in the 320 at, um, as, at uh, Ascot. Okay. Okay, so Frankie DeTore, surely he's going to ride a winner. He's got a ride for David Amira, fourth to Eileen Dunn at York the other day. And it's called Isla Kai. And this horse is trained by. Tinkler, and I think that won't be far away in the 3.55. The 4.30 race, we're going through all these all these horses here. There's a horse um, that finished just second to Bank Door Ask at the other day called Berkshire Breeze. Trained by Andrew Boarding, ridden by Joanna Mason for the English team, and I think that this one won't be far away in the 4.30. The 70, 505 race, the Shogar Cup sprint, and again, very competitive. But what wins it? I think it'd be Haggis's horse, a winner at Carlisle last time out, called Rezia. And I think the English team look like they've got a great chance of lifting the Shogar Cup for the second year running. Okay, well, it certainly looks like an exciting day over there at uh, Ascot, I must admit. Ah, um... oh, I think you should come. Well, yeah. Hobble on up. Well, you know, the trouble is I'd need to get... Um, well, I suppose you can always push me around in the wheelchair, couldn't you? That, that would be okay. No, I'd be too embarrassed. I'd have to put a wig on and a hat. I'd be too embarrassed. So would I. If you're going to go putting a wig on, I'm going to have to put a wig on as well then. <laughs> so. Exactly. So we're not recognised at, at no. all. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely nah, not. Definitely not. But no, it all sort of looks very good, and the weather. I mean, the weather. How do you think? You know, as a as a racing man, um, if you look at the, I've looked at my phone, the uh, weather forecast for the next ten days or so is absolutely amazing, um, which is yeah. going to prove, I presume, problematic in the terms of the um, going is going to get harder and harder. I mean, do you see that yeah, being well, a major be... problem? Yeah, I do really, because Bath has cancelled a couple of race meetings, and they've transfer them somewhere else what will happen is if this happens then a lot of the race meetings that are just owned by jockey club race courses and um, arc will have to um transfer them to the all weather meetings yeah. um you know that that's the end of that um you know w we are into climate change people need to be aware of you know sorting out their rubbish and sorting out their um you know their their uh you know, just just not dumping things in places, and you know, doing all their what do you call it, um, recycling and everything. And, and you know, we will be going electric, and we will be 
end up having to find places to dump the batteries one day once the electric cars are gone. You know, things are changing rapidly, and um, it's a worry, isn't it? So when do you get your rubbish collected? Yeah. When? Oh, um, every Monday. But I, I'm so do, so do you sit there on every Monday and start sorting out the uh, recycling? I can't really see you doing that. I, I think no, your, your no, wife I might, but I don't see you doing it. No, I can tell you, listen, that's a bit cheeky. I do it every day of the week, recycling. So I've got all my bins all lined up. I've got my garden stuff. I've got my food stuff. I've got my, you know, cans and, you know, papers and cardboard. And then I've got my, you know... I suppose yeah, there's an awful lot of bottles... <laughs> yeah, you're right there. <laughs> I've been for the bottles. You're absolutely right. I do, yeah. A few bottles of wine and beer and tins and things. Yeah. My wife doesn't drink, doesn't have a drink, you see, but I do quite like a little sharpener now and again. Yeah. So, man, um, yeah. yeah, there are a few. Man's got to do Anyhow, it occasionally. Man's got to do what a man's got to do. Yeah. Anyhow, love to you all on the radio. Love to Mary. Love to you, Amy. Love this creature. Um, have a great weekend. I certainly will. Thank you, Colin, and we'll speak to you next week. Well, as you just heard, that was Colin Brown, and he's preparing to go out for a night on the lash down at Brighton. So all I can say is if there's anybody listening in Brighton, lock up your daughters, Brownie's on his way. And it brings to an end this edition of The Racing Show. I hope there's been a few tips for you there. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Have a great weekend's racing, especially at Ascot for the Shergar Cup. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you again next Friday, same time, same station. Bye for now.